I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Joining us today from warm, sunny Florida is Marianne Hazy, a board-certified music therapist with 14 years of clinical experience. Most of that has included work specific to Parkinson's disease. Marianne is founder and president of Creative Leaps, Inc., a Florida nonprofit that provides therapeutic art programs to the community. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mindy. My pleasure. For listeners who may not be intimately familiar with Parkinson's disease, can you give us a brief description of what Parkinson's is? Parkinson's disease is a neurodegenerative disease that affects a part of the brain that creates a neurotransmitter called dopamine. And this can have a variety of effects on the person's ability to move, to initiate movement usually. So they may have impaired ability to start walking, for example, or their movements might be slower. You'll also see things like shaking, freezing of gait, which is when they start to walk and they may not be able to continue walking. It just kind of freezes. And this also affects speech. And um, later on, as as the disease progresses, it may affect more the cognitive abilities. So there's a, a slew of things that can occur, but there's a lot of different ways to approach doing all of these everyday things and continuing their wellness or their abilities to maintain it using a variety of methods. And one of them, obviously, I'm, I'm here to talk about music therapy, but there's a lot of other things that have been very beneficial in Parkinson's disease. Sure. You've been developing and running music therapy programs for those with Parkinson's since 2007. And these are evidence-based programs that are a practical application of the most current research. What are you seeing in the research recently and also over the last 10 plus years related to music therapies application to Parkinson's? How much research has there been? Are there any trends you've noticed? Yes, the main way to see out of the research that um, has backed not just in Parkinson's, but sensory motor training. So motor regaining abilities in like walking or grasping or movement post-stroke Parkinson's, or even developmentally, people who may have disabilities when they were born. Mm-hmm. What were things that started to show up in research was when neuroimaging techniques became a little clearer mm-hmm. and easier to understand. And that was in kind of the early 90s, late 80s. That is that we have, the uh, same as functional MRI or is that different? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Functional MRI and a variety of other at this point, we have a lot of other different ways to measure brain activity and to understand it. But yes, those things opened up doors. And one of the things that we saw in other disciplines, not not just in music, but this is these are in neuroscience and uh, neuropsychology. They were looking at different aspects of the brain, but they were very there's this interest growing on how music affects the brain, and just in general, there's just that curiosity of. What happens in a musician's brain? What's mm-hmm. different between a musician's brain and a non-musician's brain? Mm-hmm. And then as things progressed, and already music therapy was a field that was established, but music therapists like uh, Michael Tout, from um, he at that time was in Colorado, he now is in the University of Toronto, him with uh, colleagues in neuroscience and uh, physical therapy and music therapy, 
they got together and they started to look at the data and create models, theoretical models on how to understand that basic science and translate it to music therapy. And there's a whole, you know, there's a whole study there of literature and empirical evidence plus clinical evidence that shows different things. So what we see in general, just the very simplified version of what it is that is happening musically. Musically, our brain is engaged in every way. So all of our memories are activated. All of our emotional states are activated. Our body is naturally willing to move to music, even if we're not consciously thinking of it. Our eyes, we visualize things. We hear, we're obviously auditorily involved. There's the vibrotactile information coming in and information coming out of us. And so what happens is that that is activating parts of the brain to do activities that when you do it without music, those parts are not being activated, Mm. not necessarily, um, or not to the same extent. So what we see in, in rehabilitation in particular is those areas that have lost the connections or lost the ability to communicate in the brain can be bypassed or rerouted. Those same functions can be rerouted using music. Mm. And as you take the music away, that function still continues to use that new route. So we're just creating new avenues using that neuroplasticity. So that's another thing that we learned in, you know, with neuroscience as neuroscience developed that the brain is plastic and it can change and things can be rerouted and relearned at any point in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. It used to be that we thought, well, you know, at a certain age, you can't, or if you have a certain diagnosis, you can't. And there were all these ideas that that's it. What you have is what you get. Well, and what you're describing with the applicable research and also just the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, what we're talking about today really has much broader application than just Parkinson's because we're talking about uh, symptoms that can really affect a lot of different people, whether it's part of the normal aging process, it can affect people with stroke with challenges that they were born with, challenges as a result of an illness or an accident. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people could benefit from what we're talking about today and not just those with the Parkinson's diagnosis. Right. And there are other diagnoses that are very similar to Parkinson's, like mm. um, Lewy body disease or even certain TBIs could present with Parkinsonian symptoms. TBI. And oftentimes, yes, mm-hmm. traumatic brain injuries. Oh, oh <laughs> and, okay. Sure. So and for one example, for example, like um, boxers will develop Parkinsonian symptoms. Ah because a lot of concussions may cause some tearing or shearing in certain sure. areas of the brain. Um, Imagine football players too. Football players, yeah. Um, so anything that involves a lot of that shearing in the brain. Mm-hmm. But in Parkinson's in particular, there is a lot of research being done. There's an area of the brain that we're, we're focusing on as far as pharmacological interventions go. They're focusing on the dopamine in okay. the brain. As music therapists, we're not um, increasing dopamine. We're, you know, we're we can't possibly make those brain cells function as they were before. What we are doing is those brain cells. What they do, their function. We're trying to find other routes that can initiate those functions. Mm -hmm. So one in particular is uh, walking. Uh, A lot of the research in various fields that has been found, visual and auditory cues can help individuals with Parkinson's initiate movement. Mm -hmm. So visual cues being like a line on the ground that they can step over, that gets them going. 
with mm-hmm. the movement. They can well, get it's going. Kind of like compensation, which we all do, depending on what our weaknesses are. I mean, if we have poor eyesight, we tend to develop better hearing. If we have poor hearing, we tend to develop other areas more. Right. There's a certain part of the body that's weak. Uh, even people just who are right-handed or left-handed, the dominant side of the body can sort of compensate for a side that becomes a little bit weaker. That's the whole neuroplasticity idea, the idea that other parts of the brain that are not being used as much will be taken over by that function that is needed. And we take advantage of that with music by activating those parts that are not being used as much through music to do the same task. So if we are working on a speech pattern or, or maybe let's talk about walking specifically mm-hmm. on walking parameters, making sure you're taking nice healthy, symmetrical steps. Rhythmically, we can induce that. We can like get the brain to rhythmically initiate all of those muscles to create, to use the muscles consistently and efficiently with the music. Mm-hmm. And with practice, you know, practice makes perfect. Any musician will tell you that with practice, they get the accuracy better on their instrument. It's the same with the accuracy you get in doing non-musical things while using music to your advantage. Mm -hmm. And you actually co-authored a research article on this topic. It was published in Human Movement Science on rhythmic cueing as a therapeutic tool for Parkinson's disease treatment. Yes. The initial idea with this was we needed to find a way to use the whole rhythmic cueing so that people could still practice. But not every day is a good day for a person with Parkinson's disease to go on a walk because sometimes the medications take a little bit of time. They might be off meds or they're not having the best day and it might be even dangerous for them to go on a walk because they're a fall risk. So one of the things I was trying to see is, is there a way to affect their walking in a seated exercise to affect the rhythmicity? Oh rhythmicity of their walking with and while they're seated to keep them safe but still maintain their abilities. And so what we were doing is we were engaging the hand. This is the very beginning of this type of research where we're looking at what we're calling effector systems. So a system that affects another. The idea is that when you engage in rhythmic tapping, that that will translate to, that will affect other systems like your walking parameters or your stepping motion. And what we saw was that was the case. One interesting thing we found was we tried it with arm swing. We tried like a rhythmic seated arm swing exercise mm-hmm. because we know that in Parkinson's disease, sometimes uh, one of the cardinal signs of Parkinson's is reduced arm swing. The arm swing gets smaller. And usually one side might be more affected than the other. So we wanted to see, well, if we affect the arm swing, will that, will that affect the stepping motion? But it turned out that that was not a great system to affect. It actually made a, had a negative effect on the walking. Hmm. But rhythmically tapping to a beat, to a, to a metronome, very simple, uh-huh. <laughs> to a metronome, had immediate effects on mm. their walking parameters. And that was very interesting to to find. And so that's one of the that's kind of like just kind of sparking that idea like what what else can we do? I'll well that it. that explains a lot of the pictures that I saw on your website because I was expecting to see more pictures of people walking around and there was some of that in one of your videos I think, but a lot of it was people seated and doing different motions with their legs and tapping on drums and things like that. Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, some, a lot of times in group settings, it's very difficult unless you have a lot of staff on hand mm. to maintain, to ensure everyone is safe. So we have to adapt a lot of the exercises to keep them safe. Sure. And that was another reason for, that inspired, another thing that inspired this research was, well, it's not just at home, but in group settings. Well, how can we put this in there? Mm-hmm. So those, yeah. A lot of the seated exercises involved strengthening and endurance of different muscle groups. But one of the things, the key things about music is that music gives that structure to the movement. And that's what the brain needs. The brain needs like a beginning, middle, end to Mm -hmm. everything. The brain really likes to know how much time it has to complete a task. And then it'll find the best route, the best set Ah. of muscles to activate. And the more you do that consistently the more it's going to naturally just do that. So sometimes uh, overcompensating for things in um, walking. I'll divert from Parkinson's because this is a good example. Like a person who is called circumventing when they might have weakness in their leg, so they just kind of like let the leg swing around Mm -hmm. instead of just going forward in a forward motion. That is not a very efficient way to move. <laughs> the, sure. And it's it's engaging a lot of different muscles that is just, it's taxing on the brain and sure. taxing on your body. But if the brain knows you only have this much time to make that step, it's going to engage those muscles that are that are weaker. It's going to start engaging them and that's what's strengthening and increasing that ability. Yeah. Um, so that's the basis of it all. Really, music just provides structure. Music really organizes the information the brain needs to put out in the body. Ah, oh, and I love that. mind too. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that's exciting too is the music therapy can be used with Parkinson's not only in maintaining and kind of slowing the digression, but it can also be used to rehabilitate various functions like yes. the oral, motor, speech, language, respiratory, cognitive, you know, there's so many. Talk to us a little bit about some of what you've seen in terms of rehabilitation with some of the people you've worked with. Usually, most of the individuals I've worked with have been in group settings. And There's something to that as well, because uh, Parkinson's disease can be a very isolating disease. It it affects not just your body, but your mind and your emotional state. And it can really put you in a very depressed state of mind, not just because... Is part of that because of the dopamine, the effect that dopamine has on our mood? Absolutely. So it's compounded by that because also you're you're being diagnosed as something that there's no cure for. And, you know, it just... it's. It's a really heavy thing to to carry. Uh, so usually the groups are a wonderful way to engage in exercise because there there's support and there's all of the social components that really help the psyche. Mm. So that in itself, but that's you know any group. But yeah. well, how does music make it different? I work on a, a lot of diff- all of the things that you mentioned: the motor abilities, the speech and language and respiratory function, and the cognitive functions. And the two primary things that I've heard that I've been told that they really want to work on is they want to increase their volume when they speak because usually volume kind of goes down. Mm-hmm. But in their in their mind, they hear themselves as speaking very loudly and they're actually uh-huh. not. Okay. Um, so they have a lot of hard time with people hearing them. And then with that, also the articulation, because everything gets sm- kind of smaller. Okay. Um, the articulation is decreased and the volume is decreased and the rest. Is- so part of 
what we do is adapt some of the exercises that singers do to increase volume and increase vocal range and improve prosody. So like the, the melody of our voice when we speak so that we can have all of those, the expression of everything that we're trying to say. And what I usually do in these exercises, just to get an immediate effect so they can see what's happening. We'll do a song. We'll just, just kind of as a baseline, do a song that has uh, like, when you're smiling, um, when you're smiling, the world will smile with you. And I ask them, let's sing it with a flat affect. <laughs> so we're going to sing this with a flat affect. And then we go through and we do all the exercises that work on facial expression, on uh, breath support, on all of those things. And then we sing it again. And I say, keep in mind all of the things we just worked on. And the difference is very striking. And they, they even, it makes them smile even more to hear the difference. <laughs> so, and it's, these are the things that we try to make it so that they can actually take this exercise home and do it themselves too. Because mm. usually these are groups meet once a week or some places is once a month and we want this to be something they can continue doing at home. Mm-hmm. So the improvements, it, it's, it's hard to qualify or quantify them because every day is a different, a different day for a person who has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease because it changes, it changes all the time. But the one thing that I have to say across the board is they don't stop And one of the things that music does is that it doesn't give them a chance or this does takes their mind away from to stop trying. Mm. Uh, So that is the most wonderful thing. And I've heard this from some of the caregivers that will stay, for example, is like, this is the only class where they'll just continue doing the exercise. I've never Mm. been able to get them to continue doing it. Mm. I've never been able to make them even participate. And so that is the biggest thing, that the music actually makes them do the work. Well, um, and I think we all can relate to that if we've used music while we're exercising. <laughs> yes, that is so true. Yeah. And that's a lot of people, maybe, I don't know, who <laughs> have been to that one exercise class where the music's just background and you're like thinking, why even have that on? <laughs> Whereas there's the more... Um, musically inclined uh, exercise leader who has music that goes exactly with all the exercises. Yeah, you there's thinking, a lot more intention yeah. that you can tell uh-huh. went into it. Yep, yep. <laughs> now, all the programming that you do there at Creative Leaps is free and it's open to the public. Is that right? Yes, we are working. We work with entities where programs are free to the public. Um, so we provide the program at their location. And we are working toward getting in the future, we would love to have our own center where we can have. But we do see that a lot of the people that we want to provide services, where we want to provide services, they have limited transportation, or they're usually, these are the places where they actually congregate already. So we want to bring it to where they already are. And that's the aim is just to provide the free programming for these individuals that are seeking it out. Okay. Um, we do see individual clients from time to time. And it's usually a short term, you know, like this is a very specific goal we're working on and just trying to develop a program that they can follow on their own. And we might follow up with them a month later or something like that. But it's sure. um, usually kind coaching. of coaching. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so where does your funding come from? Is it provided by insurance? Is it provided by the different places where you provide your services? Yes, currently is from where we provide services. Usually there's grants involved that specifically 
pay for our program or that pay for the materials or whatever it is that we can usually grant based uh, mm-hmm. with our programs. Um, as far as music therapy goes, that's a whole discussion right there. You might want to talk to some of our advocates in music therapy that can tell you more about how we're seeking licensure in different uh, states. Mm-hmm. Florida still doesn't have licensure. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little difficult for people to get reimbursement through third parties, through their insurance and things like that, because we're not listed as a provider. And one other problem with that is that it's not protecting the public from people who may claim that they're music therapists, mm-hmm. but they're not. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we're seeking that. And there's a lot of states that have gained that uh, licensure. But there are some insurance companies that will work with the families they provide. And they'll give them like a stipend or okay. something that they can use on alternative or different types of interventions. Mm-hmm. And as far as pediatrics go, here in Florida, at least, we have a couple of programs that are funding music therapy for children. And that's that's a great move forward, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have a couple of uh, state-based programs. And so that's an ongoing conversation we have with legislators and with the community. But we, as Creative Leaps, we are gearing more toward the nonprofit, community-based resources and music therapy-based uh, programming. So that's that's where we're aiming because we do see that there's a, a certain need that is not being met, especially in populations, non-pediatric populations. So we tried it already for a few years as a for-profit and that is not <laughs> it's not a, a good avenue for mm-hmm. for the mission that we have. So we moved into the nonprofit direction and so far it's been a lot easier to navigate financially. Oh, wonderful. So that's the funding we do. There's a lot of music therapists out there that do it differently. Mm-hmm. It's kind of call them and ask them how they do it. Sure. <laughs> and, sure. Um, some have um sliding scales and things like that. So Sure. There's a sentence on your website that I loved. It says, Creative Leaps Inc. was founded in 2015 and continues to be run by passionate clinicians and individuals who have experienced significant changes in their lives, in great part due to the arts. And I thought, boy, I bet we could probably do an entire episode just on some of the stories of the people who are the clinicians (laughs) there. (laughs) Yeah, right now we are four officers that kind of run everything. And so we're small. We're just, you know, a little seed, a seedling. But we all have a very close relationship with the arts and in particular music. And so it's it's been kind of like a rock in a lot of moments or it has been kind of the light at the end of a tunnel or, you know, things sure. like And so it's something that we understand as being very vital as a human being. And we, we want to try to make sure that the community gets access to it because in general, in certain areas, like in public schools, sometimes you hear about the arts being cut in music. Some of the clients I've had are pediatric, you know, in school. They tell me that they, they have music class once a month or oh. something like that. I'm just like, what? Yeah. How is it? It used to be at least once a week. Right. And so it's, it's very limited and and then outside of school, they don't really have the time or the means to engage in the arts. So it, it's a necessity. We as humans need creativity. We need all of these art forms to help understand our existence just in general. 
It just Great. helps us kind of put it out there and conceptualize it in different ways. Absolutely. I ask all my guests to give listeners what I call an improv, uh, try this at home, an experiment, a suggestion to enhance listeners' lives with music. Do you have a recommendation today for listeners? Yes. What I was thinking about was talking, I was talking about how music helps individuals with Parkinson's maintain their gait, you know, walk yeah. at a specific pattern. I wanted to kind of give you an idea of what that's like. If you get on a treadmill and put it on your running mode, whatever that speed is, mm -hmm. but at the same time, put your headphones on and put it at a slow, really slow song, like <laughs> this, a very slow song and see how, what, how that affects your running oh. and then try walking and put on a super fast song and see how that affects your walking. You will see naturally that you'll try to go with the music and yeah. you kind of feel that tug between uh -huh. what you're trying to do and what the music is pulling you to do. And that's what it is. is it just music kind of facilitates and entices you to do certain things. Mm, love that. Well, you gave me a lot of great ways for listeners to connect with you. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, email. I'll include those links in the show notes. Tell us what your website is. Our website is creative-leaps.com. You can find information there. We have a blog. We're making little videos with exercises, easy exercises to maintain your voice and other abilities. We try to keep it, you know, light and easy to access and with information for everyone. Well, we're going to close our conversation today by listening to a song that you're going to share with us. Tell us about the song that we're going to be listening to. This is a song that we created at a place where we provided a group for individuals with Parkinson's. They and us, we were all going through a grieving process. We had lost a dear friend common to all of us. And this day, it was very obvious that we all needed to process. So, of course, we processed with music. And we did a songwriting exercise, a very important songwriting exercise where we talked about what this person meant to us and what the overall message was that that person wanted us to carry on in our lives. And so it's called When the Words Fail, We Shall Sing or We Will Sing. And all the lyrics were put together by the members of this group. They all have Parkinson's disease. So one of the main things is I have Parkinson's disease. The disease doesn't have me. That's part of the chorus. So that is a very special song to all of us. Uh, we It was created with a lot of love, but also it had a very specific function in that session that we did. And we, we like to share it with everyone. Saying goodbye closes a chapter you taught us well. Exercise, kindness, and love. You motivated us to rise above. Sometimes life gives us a trial. You taught us to do it with a smile. When the words fail, we'll just play.
exercise kindness and love motivated us to rise above sometimes life gives us a trial you taught us to do it with a smile when the words fail we'll just play when the words fail we'll just say Thanks so much for joining me today. As always, information and links from today's conversation can be found in the show notes on my website at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 39. There is also a link to that page in the episode details right in your podcast app. And please share the show with a friend. Word of mouth, including social media, is the number one way people discover new podcasts. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music. Really appreciate all that you're doing to enhance lives with music. And it's really intriguing. The more of these interviews that I do, the more commonality I see between all of us, you know, whether we have Parkinson's or we've had a stroke or we don't have any diagnosis at all. There's so much that we have in common in terms of how music can make us move and it can help us process things psychologically. It's, it's really cool. And then on that same idea, the one thing that I know for sure is that music really does bind all of us. It does create a common bond, mm-hmm. regardless of what where you are in life. We can all understand each other through music. It's pretty interesting. So yes. thank you for doing this. This is a wonderful resource. I'm really appreciative of what you do.